Welcome to episode 37 of Leading Ladies Corpus Christi. I'm sitting across from the president and CEO of what is now called the Purple Door, and that is Frances Wilson. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you're feeling better. It, it was a little <laughs> bit of a, a interesting thing to get you on here, but I'm, I'm really glad that you're here. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and you sound great. Thank you. you. First things first. Are you from Corpus? Yes, I am from Corpus. Okay, born and raised. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, where'd you go to school? I went to Ray High School. Okay. And then after that, I went to Del Mar, Mm -hmm. and I went to what is now Texas A&M Corpus Christi, but back then it was Corpus Christi State University. I don't think I knew that, that it used to be Corpus Christi State, but it's always been on Ward Island and everything. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, wow. When When did the name change? I think it changed back in the 90s, like maybe the early to mid 90s. And I remember getting something in the mail saying that if I paid like $45, I could have my diploma changed. Say that. Uh, so that it would change the name. And I thought, oh, no, that's okay. I know. I'd be like, oh, there, there's something special about this. I mean, the original. My, my older brother went graduated from what used to be Southwest Southwest Texas? Oh, huh? Yeah, and it's now Texas State? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, I almost said that wrong. So what did you major in? I majored in sociology and psychology. Okay, perfect for what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so how? what was the trajectory from when you graduated to how you ended up here? What was formerly the women's shelter? Right. Yeah. Um, so when I graduated from college, my first job was actually at Channel 10. Really? And mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, we weren't paid very well, mm-hmm. but it was really, when I look back, it was such an interesting job and I learned a lot. What did you do? I was what was called the news librarian, which okay. I don't think they have that now. Oh, I don't know. In they might. this day of technology. <laughs> but back then, I would master video. So if they did a story on, a, on an ongoing case, maybe, they would have me save the video to a master video and that way if a reporter wanted to come back and grab that video yes. I could get it for them yeah and I would actually write down on index cards what was <laughs> on the video who was on the video and no um, that's that's so important yeah. uh yeah for people to have a record of that kind of thing going on I mean right. so you can reference it quickly kind of thing yeah and then I would help edit things sometimes or Okay. Help, help Walter Furley, who a lot of people probably remember from the new news, help him put the new news on. So it was interesting. I got to know reporters and photographers and learn a lot about, probably more about city government than I yes. ever learned before because yes. they were always at city council meetings exactly. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So um, after that, I moved for a very brief time because my husband, I, I got married after I left Channel 10. Okay. My husband had been living in Newport, Rhode Island, working for the civil service. Whoa. So uh, after we got married, I moved up there to be with him, which, by the way, I was so excited about moving until I realized I was really leaving my family. Yes. So the day after my wedding, I'm like bawling and oh, telling no. him I couldn't come with him. But it, it, it worked that's, out. That's I ended a, up going. Yeah, but still, that's a huge it difference. Huge. I mean, South Texas is, I mean, Texas, right, is yeah. its own little entity it in and of itself and then south texas i mean yeah ooh. And leaving my family and everything was kind of weird but anyway that's yeah. a little aside no no um, i want to know more about it honestly like yeah. like life on the east coast what, what did you do there well up there my husband worked for the civil service and um i ended up working for the civil service while we were up there as, okay. as a leave desk person which means and i didn't know this about the military either um I, I guarantee you, I didn't know. I basically processed a lot of the leave requests. Okay. And um, and their orders, because mm-hmm. 
I mean, you know, when you're in their military, they kind of own you. So yeah. anytime you go away for a weekend, there's all this paperwork about where you're going to be and how they can reach you. So that's kind of yes. what I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. also important stuff. I mean, yeah. you know what you're signing up for whenever you're joining the military. And so that's part of it. Yeah. And uh, that's interesting to me that you, in both cases, were handling these positions where you're having to kind of track information like that. That's very mm -hmm. interesting. Well, and I've always been real organized, so I think it, it suited me pretty well. Mm -hmm. um, but up there, living on the East Coast is actually nice. I mean, Rhode Island was beautiful. It was weird for me, though, because here you can drive all day and never get out of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and up there, it's like we're driving around, and it's like, oh, we're in Connecticut. Yeah. And we're, we're in another state. See, I'm intrigued by that, though. I would love to do that one of these days, just to see. Yeah, it is beautiful. The people are actually very nice. Um, they all have misconceptions of us, just like we do of them. Oh, which of is, course. They all thought we owned cows and yes. things like that. I'm like, no. Nope. Or ride horses to yeah. work and stuff. I've, I've never had a cow. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting. But um, my husband ended up getting a job with the civil service back down here just a few months later. Really? Mm -hmm. So y'all so, made that whole big move. Yeah. And so <laughs> we moved back, which of course I was thrilled because I wanted to be around my family. You manifested it. Yeah. And uh, my sister was working for the women's shelter, the Corpus Christi area. Katrina? Katrina. I saw this. Okay. Yeah. And she was actually a counselor there. And I really didn't know anything about the shelter other mm -hmm. than that's where Tina works. Right. And um, she said they really need an administrative assistant and a bookkeeper or something. And I didn't go to school for this, of but course. whatever. Right. They need somebody to come in and organize the office and kind of get everything rolling. And, and how like, long, okay, so what what year was this? Because it's this, been around 41 years it, this year? We just celebrated 41 years, yeah. and this was in 1989. Okay. So they'd been they'd been around 11 years Yeah. Okay. when I started. Got it. And um, so I thought, what the heck, I need a job. Well, you know, try it. So I got interviewed, I got the job, and um, I didn't know anything. Like, I really didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was, I was very naive. Um, I was In just like, what, like, what do you mean? I think just relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'd only been married a few months. So of course I was in my honeymoon of course. You know, period and everything. Yes. And, uh, life was great. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, I just, I didn't really know much about abuse in relationships right. other than, you know, I saw the burning bed or, you know, yeah, things uh, like that absolutely. from TV, you yes, know. Yes, yes. Um, I can relate to that. I know what yeah. you're talking about. So I, you know, I I asked the same question that everybody does, which is, well, why does she stay? Mm -hmm. You know, because I was like, I would never stay. Yeah. You know, because we all, I think we all think we would never stay or we'd hope we wouldn't stay. You're, yeah, absolutely right. Yes. Yeah. But until you are around it and learn about it and really learn about those dynamics... You don't know what you would do. Exactly. So, yes. And so I, I enjoyed the people for one thing. Uh, I think meaning like that you worked with. That I worked with. I think we've always been a very family oriented group, which is interesting because I think a lot of people think we're kind of against families, like we're that we're trying to. Who in separate. the world would think that? Well, I think I don't know if it's if people feel that way as much now. Yes. Back then, I think we were seen as. We're the women that, mm -hmm. you know, tell you to get a divorce. Mm -hmm. and, and the culture is definitely changing because, uh, and we're going to get into this in a second, but um, the, I always do some research prior to my guests coming on, and there was something that you guys 
oh, it's like ask the experts kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and, and it was a, how can your religious preference affect your staying in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. thing? And the fact that you just said that is, is very, to me, uh, relevant. But we'll get back to that. Okay. So, um, so I really liked where I was. I liked what we did. And the more I learned about it, the more I'm like, I, I like being a part of this, mm-hmm. this movement. We don't, we probably don't think of it as a movement anymore because I think we've grown, mm-hmm. I guess, but, but we started out of the women's movement. And yeah, um, I, I still think so. I mean, yeah. this is still an issue. Yeah. I mean, we like to think that we've come a long way mm-hmm. and we have in some respects, but there's, there's a long way to go. Always. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can always get better and. Yeah. And so I was fortunate that I was able to do different things at the shelter. It's funny because before I got there, I thought, you know, maybe I should go back and get my master's in counseling. And then when I got there, I was like, I don't want to be a counselor. Interesting. Isn't it funny how that works? And what deterred you? Um, I think it's because I really want to fix things for people. And that's not really what we're doing with our clients. Yes. We're saying, here are all your choices what do you want to do exactly and we, we're not making them do it mm-hmm. we can't expect them to do it we just have to be there for their journey of course and support them and not that i don't think i'm capable of that but i think i'm also the type like if you would just do a b and mm-hmm. c this would be okay mm-hmm. no i know but, what you but mean. i can't make that decision for that person exactly they know their own life and this might be the first time anybody's said you know what it is your decision like, that's you don't a, have you don't have to do what I'm telling you to do. Yeah, that is a very interesting take on it. Because I thought you were gonna say uh, I could have been the first person to present them with these options, but the fact that you're presenting them with the options and saying it's up to you maybe totally novel mm-hmm. to them. That's yeah. interesting. An interesting take. So yeah. I've I've never been a direct service person. I mean, I have answered the hotline before, but I I just I realized that my I guess my skill set was on the other side, mm-hmm. which I've always been part of administration in some way. Right. So I've been a grant writer. Uh, I was a volunteer which coordinator. Which is a skill and an art in and of itself. Yeah. I just like to say, writing for grants is, a, a, I've never done it, and it just, yeah. a special set of skills. Well, and it's interesting because some of the rules that some of the grants have, like you have to use one-inch margins all the way around, and it's like they'll kick it out mm-hmm. and I know it's a way to see who's paying attention of yeah, <laughs> I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. and a way to just um lower the number of people asking yeah. for money oh, you know that's a 1.25 margin <laughs> yeah Boom. yeah you're out so, <laughs> yeah. so that was really interesting and it so I I knew a lot about the business side and so um when my sister, my sister, it's interesting because she and I worked together mm-hmm. for 16 years. And a lot of people would say, how did you work with your sister? But we actually really got along well. I love because it. Because we kind of completed one another mm-hmm. in the work we did. Um, where she might have not as been as strong I was and where I wasn't as strong she was. Yes, of course. It's just one of those kind of matches made in heaven. Yeah. You know, where it's like, this is how it was supposed to go down and we're supposed to play off each other's strengths and weaknesses to make the most of what we're what we're doing right now. Which was helping people. I mean, wow. And so... I love that. So she was a counselor, but then slowly she started doing other things and became a program director. And then I I think she might have been considered the associate director for a while. And then when our executive director left Mm -hmm. in probably around 97, 
um, Katrina was made the interim. Okay. And then she actually got the job. Okay. So she stayed until the beginning of 2006, and then she went to United Way, where mm -hmm. she's been the last 13 years. Oh, wow. And she said, you know, I think you need to be the interim director. I was thinking, you were out of your mind. And why? What? Like, had I, you never considered it? Well, because I had done a little bit of management up to that point but I hated telling people what to do I'm kind of like that I remember telling somebody something about their leave and that person started crying and I thought I can't do this <laughs> I mean I just I, I can't I, I don't want to be that bossy person yes you know and you know what a lot of people have a hard time admitting that kind of thing because you know in their mind they feel like they should keep climbing the ladder for lack of a better term, mm -hmm. uh, phrase you know more money more responsibility that that's all great and wonderful. But for you to say, eh, I'm not sure about yeah, that. I really wasn't sure. But she said, you're the only one who knows the business side. And that's what we need to keep it going. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And so the board had me be the, the interim. And I wasn't going to apply. But then I'd been doing the job for three or four months. And I was like, maybe I should apply. Maybe I really can do this. Yeah. Oh, and, no doubt. And so I had read, I was reading a book, and there was a place in the book that said something like, sometimes God puts you in really uncomfortable positions to basically get you where you're supposed to be mm -hmm. and make you stretch yourself. And so yep. I thought, that's my signal that I'm supposed to go out for this job. So, and they had had a search committee, um, and I ended up being interviewed and interviewed by a group. And I, I was very honest with them. I let them know, like, there's going to be stuff I don't more. know. Yes. Like, and I'm not going to pretend I don't know because you're going to figure it out. <laughs> you know, when you're asking me a question, yeah, I'm stammering. Yeah, don't fake it until I make it. Yeah. And I, and I said, plus, I'm not my sister. Like, we're alike in a lot of ways, but we're not. Like, if you feel like you're just hiring Katrina again, yeah. you're not, really. <laughs> so, this I, just, I just wanted them to know. Mm -hmm. I'm and, sure they appreciated it, too. Yeah. And so, I ended up getting the job. And, um, it's been a learning experience and I, I'm still learning. Yeah. Like I, I recently told my board because I got my evaluation and I said, I really appreciate that y'all think I do such a great job, but the reality is I'm always learning. Yeah. Like if you need to give me advice or tell me something you think I don't know, do it because I don't know everything. That is such an, okay. I, I've never been in a supervisory role ever. Uh, so I know what I want in a supervisor or someone running the department or the organization. And always whenever they come in and acknowledge that they don't know everything and that they're still constantly learning and that they're willing to take feedback and input from those who work for them is so valuable to me uh -huh. as someone who's never been in the higher up position. So to me, you're perfect for it. Well, and you know, it's funny. I appreciate you saying that. So sometimes people will tell me, you know, what a great job I'm doing and what a great organization we have. And I think it's not really me. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's me and 47 other people. Exactly. You know, because one, I can't do everybody's job. Even if I wanted to, there's not enough time in the day. I don't have everybody's expertise. Mm -hmm. And so it takes everybody. Um, you know, I'm just, I just happen to be the one leading it. Of course. So, um, but even still the fact that you're giving a shout out to those who, you know, are, are doing the tasks you're, you're you know, that, yeah. that ultimately make this work as a functioning unit. Yeah. And we do, we have great people that are so good with clients 
um, people that are great going out into our community to talk about what we do, um, helping us move into this century and, you know, doing That's more social huge. media and I'm so glad the Twitter, as some people try to, <laughs> try to joke about. Somebody, somebody just said that at work the other day that their grandmother or somebody was like on the Twitter. <laughs> on the Twitter. And I just think that is so funny. <laughs> that is funny. Oh my goodness. No, y'all's social media, I don't know. I, I, I just made the assumption, which is, uh, you know, shame on me, that y'all didn't have one. Well, I found y'all on Instagram today, and I was extremely impressed with what you guys are doing on social media. So y'all have little segments like Ask the Experts. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wrote it down. There was Ask the Experts. Uh, there was Fact Fridays, which I thought was really awesome. And then there was another thing where y'all go around and have the I Go Purple for. Uh-huh. So I want to backtrack slightly. So y'all change your name from the women's shelter to the Purple Door. And I'm, I know you've already talked yeah. about this a year ago, but... For those of us who don't know, why did you make that change? Oh, sure. Well, we had started out the Women's Shelter of the Corpus Christi Area Incorporated. Mm-hmm. In the early 90s, everybody was saying, you know, we ought to change our name so it really reflects what we do because we serve 12 counties. Uh, we yeah, had, that's huge. Yeah, we had taken on sexual assault, which we hadn't originally done. We didn't take that on until like 1993. Okay, it was just domestic violence at the it time. It was just domestic violence. Okay. And... um and that sounded really great until we came up with our name, which was the Family Violence and Sexual Assault Prevention Center of South Texas, the Women's Shelter Incorporated, which is really long. Yeah. And no one's <laughs> going to say that when they pick up the phone. They're still going to say Women's Shelter. Yes. So. Um, or a very long acronym. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so in 2003, we changed our name again to Women's Shelter of South Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, in about 2015, you know, the staff... Because we've all heard, well, don't you serve men? You know, you know, all you have is a shelter. You know, we're always explaining what we did yeah. and who we served. And so in about 2015, the board, you know, really took all this seriously and was like, you know, maybe we need to explore changing the name. Mm-hmm. And when we, we um, hired actually an outside firm to do some uh, questionnaires for us, some surveys, some focus groups. Wow. Um, and then it was all within the 12 counties? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because we were really wanting to make sure, like, what, what do people think? What do our donors think? What do our clients think? Yes. Um, and, and when you say client, clients. when you say client, is it someone who comes to you guys because they've experienced something? Yes. Okay, got yeah. it. Yeah, some people think we might call them patients, but mm-hmm. they're not sick. Oh, yeah. So, and we want to make sure people realize that. Yeah, that I'm glad you made that distinction. Yeah. Thank you. They're like our customer, Yeah. I guess. Yeah, So, um, So we had a lot of talks. We put a lot of paper up on the walls and threw out different <laughs> ideas. And, and at some point, we came up with the purple door. And at first, when I heard it, I thought, well, that sounds kind of weird. But then when I came back to it later, I thought, that's just perfect. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have to explain it, but we're already explaining it anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And our 40th anniversary was coming up, so I was like, let's do it then, mm-hmm. because um, it just made sense. I felt like I felt like when we opened, Women's Shelter made sense because it was still kind of in its infancy, and, you know, yeah. it was unusual to intervene in a relationship like that. Absolutely, um, yes. In fact, we were the third shelter to open in the state of Texas, which is really incredible. And, and, and I know a lot of people don't know that. No, I am actually at a loss for words. Third yeah. 
third shelter in the state of Texas. And when you say shelter, you mean domestic violence, domestic violence shelter. shelter in Texas. Mm-hmm. That's huge that is, area. I can't, yes, it is. I can't believe that. Because, I mean, y'all's, I, I'm going to say headquarters. I can't think of the right word for it. It's in Corpus? Yes. But do y'all have, like, outposts in the other uh-huh. counties? We serve Alice, uh, well, we serve 12 counties, so we have offices in Alice, Beeville, Kingsville, and Sin. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Okay. No, I had no idea that, yeah. wow. So, it made sense to think, you know, let's start this next 40 years with a new name that doesn't pigeonhole us. It doesn't box us in. Because mm-hmm. we had kind of put ourselves in this box. Right. And, you know, we were serving men. We've served men for years. But, yes. But we actually started serving men in our shelter. So if they need shelter, they can come to us. Okay. I see. I'm not sure a lot of people know that. And and uh, whenever you said that y'all pigeonholed yourselves, you know, back then, and, and a lot of people now still do believe that domestic violence is against women. And, and the yeah. majority of cases are. But it's not exclusively women. Right. It's... It's against men. Um, we serve the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. So uh, and there is abuse going on in same-sex relationships. Yes. So we, And I thought this is an entire community that if we keep calling ourselves women's shelter, yep. aren't really going to know that yep. they can come to us and Absolutely. reach out to us. So, um, I so love I th- that you brought that up. You're my second guest to bring that up. I think you know Erica Matlock. Yes. Yeah. Well, she. I had her on as a guest, and I, and it's probably just ignorance on my part. But whenever she said the same thing, like, yeah, there's a lot of violence in, in um, uh, same-sex relationships, mm-hmm. and I like didn't even cross my mind at yeah. all. Like, at- well, and it's a community that up until probably the last few years has really kind of kept to themselves. Yes. Definitely. And um, but, I mean, they're people, and people just you know doesn't matter who you are. I mean, people yeah. just. We're, we're all very similar in our problems and our triumphs, and it yeah, makes sense. That's true. Yeah. And so um, we went with the Purple Door, and we've actually been very well received. And I think it's made a big difference. So yeah. I've, I've been real excited about it. The board was kind of worried that I would be upset because I've been with the shelter for so long. That's interesting. That I, like, maybe I'd miss the old name, and I was like, no. I'm, yeah. I am... I know that life changes, and I just roll with it yeah i don't always enjoy change i mean oh, i think there's always I'm a part of me that's kind of I resistant like, yeah i oh, like for sure the same but i also know that you know like i tell staff what we did in 1995 doesn't work now yeah you know because i think they look at me and think that i'm gonna want to do everything old school i was like oh no i know like we're looking into you know, counseling people over the phone, by Skype, Ooh, you know, yes. what things that, you know, we really need to look at technology and how it's affecting the services we provide. Like I look at my girls and they're on their phones and they text and they listen to podcasts when I was talking to them about, cause I hadn't listened to a podcast yet. I said, is it video or just audio? And they said, it's just audio. And I'm thinking younger people access things differently they get their news differently so different so they're gonna access our services differently yes so we need to like get ahead of it and i love that that you're applying this to what you're doing and how you can reach potentially more people or you know reach them in a different way and everything that is fantastic well i'm hoping this is actually reaching a group of people that may have never even heard my name yeah. or heard of the Purple Door. Yes. Because they're not watching the news on TV. Exactly. No, I, you I, know? I, uh, you're absolutely right. And then that's uh, the ultimate goal behind this, what I'm doing, is that people need to know 
who you are, what you're doing, and what you're representing, and how you're giving back to the community. People need to know. Um, it's so huge. And so, okay, the, the color purple, is that representative? Is it like an awareness thing? Mm -hmm. okay. That is the color for domestic violence. Yeah. And we do have some teal in our logo because we provide services to sexual assault victims. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't see as many mm -hmm. sexual assault victims. We also see what we call dual clients, which are people that are both victims of domestic violence and sexual assault. Right. And a lot of times we, we have clients that come in as a domestic violence victim and they don't think they've been sexually assaulted until you've talked to them yes, a while. Because they're married or they're in married a committed or, relationship. Yeah, Absolutely. They don't think they can be raped by their Husband significant or, other. Or wife or whatever. Yeah. Yes. And it's like, no, you can't. No, I include myself in that mindset. And sometimes I, I, sometimes I question, like, maybe you're just not thinking things through enough. But it, it typically takes someone sharing a story to be like, no, that is the definition of yeah. rape or uh, sexual assault or whatever. And so, I, you know, I love that you're passing this knowledge on kind of thing. Well, and, and I think as far as seeing fewer victims of sexual assault, I think it's partly because domestic violence, the stigma has gone away quite a bit, mm -hmm. I think. Meaning what? That um, I think people, I think Victim blaming doesn't happen quite as often anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it still happens, but not yes. as frequently. Yes. With sexual assault victims, victim blaming is huge. Mm -hmm. And it is, I, I think people are just, victims I think are just so ashamed. Or they know no one's going to believe them. Right. Or their whole sexual history is going to be questioned. Yes. That it's like, why do I even bother? Mm -hmm. Why do I move forward? Yep. And a lot of times we find that people are sexually assaulted by somebody they know. It's not somebody hiding in the bushes, usually. Right. That can happen. Oh, yeah. But but a lot of times it's an acquaintance that you've met through someone else. It's somebody you've gone out with a few times that that are sexually assaulting you. Yeah, not a complete stranger. Yeah. And like you said, it, it can be, but oftentimes it isn't. Yeah. And so uh, why do you think also, because you said uh, victim blaming, uh, you believe to be a big reason why you're not seeing as many sexual assault cases. Do you think it's also because maybe they don't know that you guys also provide services some of that, for them? Some of that could be it. Now, we do have a sexual assault response team mm -hmm. that's made up of volunteers. And what does that mean? They, um, they actually can be called to go to the hospital. So Doctors mm -hmm. Regional is our sexual assault trauma really? center really okay. here, here in Corpus Christi. And so they'll meet the victim at the hospital. Um, we actually provide teddy bears for anybody who's heard about the teddy bear drive that American Bank does. We get those teddy bears. And um, I know, I, I'm sure people have thought, why would anybody want a teddy bear? A grown person, you know? But sometimes I think a, a victim wants to hold on to something, but they don't want to hold on to a person. Yes. So we're there with a teddy bear, a change of clothes, because if they're going to be examined and need to leave their clothes for evidence, mm -hmm. they may need something. Yeah. Um, and just to let them know these are our services. And one thing people may not realize is all of our services are free. We have master level counselors, so we really do have people that yeah. like know what they're talking about. Certified, <laughs> yeah. Um, they're all confidential. Mm -hmm. So when you call... You know, we don't know who you are. Uh, we're not going to tell anybody, you know, broadcast anywhere that you're coming for services. So it's very confidential. 
Um, and we not only provide services to a victim, but if they have, um, like let's say my sister was assaulted, I could go for services as a secondary victim. Okay. Because I've been impacted yes. by what's happened to her. Okay. And so a lot of people don't realize that. Yeah. You know, we've had boyfriends, husbands of sexual assault victims that really needed to talk to somebody mm -hmm. because it's like this happened to my partner and I don't know what to do. Exactly. I mean, and who would know, right? And it's yeah. cool to know that it, essentially anyone who's been affected in this kind of way can visit you guys yeah. and, and, you know, seek out your services. So when you say Doctors Regional is where the clients would go initially. So how how does that work? So do they ha do they how do they know to go to Doctors Regional? You know? Um that's I think most of them are going to know because the police took them. Got I it. don't I don't know how many of them would know right. just to go on their own. Yeah. Okay, but the, um, but like CCPD yeah. knows kind of thing. Yes, CCPD does. Okay, know. Or the, well, actually, yeah. So then in the other counties In the other counties, they can go to hospitals out there. Mhm. Mm I don't think there are a lot of what are called SANE nurses, which that's a sexual assault nurse examiner. Oh, never and, heard of and that. And they go through a cor you know, courses yes. and they're certified to do the sexual assault yeah. exam, which takes a long time. Right. Um, and we're willing to be in the room with the client if they want. Mm -hmm. If not, you know, we'll step out. Um, but, you know, because it's very um, probing. Absolutely. And they're and they are you know getting all the evidence they need and putting it in these rape kits you know mm -hmm. or putting the putting the rape kit together yes so um, uh, yeah it's a lot of them can come into doctors regional but um, I think at people in the outlying counties I don't I have a feeling some of them come in but I think a lot of them try to go to their right local locally hospital. yeah mm -hmm. okay no I had no idea that you guys had a response team in order to help people, like, pretty much immediately. Like, you know, as, so as soon as they decide to, to get checked out kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Which is a great resource. Yeah, the hospital will call our shelter, and we have who's on call, and they get a call, and, and they're expected to be at the hospital within 30 minutes of okay. being called. Okay. And so, is it something that, is it just kind of like a consistent thing? Like, it just happens pretty regularly that you guys are getting these calls and having to go visit these people? Um, I think it's a little irregular. It's, um, you know, we might go for a few days without a call or maybe just one or two and then maybe have a few more. Yeah. But I just don't think victims come forward very yeah. much. Golly. I think they, I think, and I'm, I'm saying this just as a guess because I, I don't, I'm not talking to all the clients all the time. Of course. I, I really think that, um, for a lot of people, it's just, I just want to forget it mm -hmm. and I want to move on and, um, that's it. And I think some of them too, it's like, I, I think something happened to me, but I don't know. Yes. Because there are a lot of date rape drugs yes. and, and you know, alcohol is, <clears throat> is a part of a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And I say that hoping that people won't jump to, well, if she wasn't drunk, that wouldn't happen. Well, see, a lot of people do jump to that yeah. and that's why I think y'all's fact Fridays are so important on social media. So like for instance the alcohol thing. So tell me about that. Like what what whenever someone jumps to that conclusion she shouldn't have drank so much. What what do you guys say the professionals? Um I mean I think for us it's it's kind of like the reality is people drink. I mean that's I don't think that's going to change. But 
just because I'm, you know, I'm a guy and I'm at a party and I see some girl that is just getting completely wasted, that's not an invitation to do whatever I want to that person. Exactly. Because when you're in that kind of state, regardless of what's coming out of your mouth, you're really not in a position to consent. Mm -hmm. And people get really confused about what consent is. Oh, yeah, especially recently. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, um, you know, we, we're trying to do a lot of prevention work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, tell me about and that. that. And that is, I think that plays into some of what we're talking about. Prevention is something that really started being talked about around 2006, 2007, because the CDC said that um, they wanted sexual assault programs to start doing prevention work and actually throw some money at it. Right. And I know people may be thinking, well, weren't y'all trying to prevent things all along? Nobody really talked about preventing violence. Right. It's, it's like y'all almost took on a, uh, oh, what's the word for it? Like y'all were... I can't think of it. Like y'all were handling it as it came. Yeah, we were than kind of like the, stifle it. Yeah, we were kind of just taking care of picking up the pieces after everything had happened. Yeah, reactive rather than proactive. Right. That's what it is. Reactive. Right. And um, yeah, before that, we were doing education. So we were, you know, we were out in the community and we were talking about the power and control wheel and the dynamics of domestic right. violence, which in and, its own way could be preventative. Which it, yeah, but, you know, it can be. But we're primarily talking about what we do and if you know somebody that needs mm. our services, mm. got it, got how it. to access them. Yeah. So here was this funder that was actually saying, we think people need to start working on preventing this, which is like, you know, duh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, it was exciting because I thought somebody who gives money to all of us agencies is actually saying... We believe this can happen. Yes. Oh, yeah. I've been putting so, their money toward it for sure. Yeah. So that was exciting. Now, the one thing that's interesting about the work we do is that funds for sexual assault services and funds for domestic violence services can be very separate. Okay. So when this money came about, it was for prevention of sexual assault or sexual violence. And that was it. Exclusively. Yeah. You weren't okay. supposed to talk about dating violence or domestic violence. It was just sexual assault. Interesting. Okay. So um, we were very fortunate. We've always been very fortunate to have right people at the right time mm -hmm. to help us get our prevention or any program off the ground. But we had um, Rhonda Williamson, who now is an executive director in Atascosa County. Okay. Um, but uh, she started helping us get our prevention program off the ground because it was kind of like, here's some money. We're not really sure what we want you to do with it just yet. Yeah, yeah. So we were trying That's to That's interesting. Yeah, take whatever bits of information we could get from the funder and figure out how do we make this program. Then we had people after her that um, just really built up the program. Okay. And now we have some great people doing prevention work. Um, but like I said, it's it's still very separate. There's yeah. not a, there's not a big, um, like the person who does a lot of our work in schools isn't talking a lot about domestic violence or dating violence. So, um, She's doing great work, mm -hmm. but she's following that funder. Yes. So that one great. Quick question. Had anybody tried to implement sexual assault prevention? Like any other shelters or anything like that? Or was this just something that... Not that I know of. Okay. Not you said 2006? This was 2006. Okay. Roughly that that came about. 
And, um, you know, it's, it's real exciting. The problem is there's not a lot of money for it. Mm-hmm. So I've been talking a lot with staff. In fact, we're going to meet again soon to have this discussion. Some of them don't know about it yet. <laughs> but, oh, snap. but it's really about how, what, where do we want to be? And I have to give uh, credit to Vicki Hibbs for this, who's actually my business and finance director, who insists she's not a people person. She's great with people, and she <laughs> loves what we do. Oh, awesome. Yeah, Shout and, out. Yeah, she's just great. And Kelly Addison. I mean, I, I wish I could name all of them. I just work with wonderful people. Um, but Vicki said, you know, we keep trying to figure out what do we want to do right now with prevention work, regardless of the funding we have. Mm-hmm. But she said maybe what we need to do is figure out what do we want to be doing in 10 years? Yes. What do we want the community to look like? What kind of what kind of part will we play in that and then kind of back it up? Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that actually makes more sense. Yeah. That's than trying a very to figure out how do we, approach. how do we make it work right now? Yeah. Because that, that would be my, uh, instinct would be to handle it how you had mentioned, but what her, her name's Becky, uh, Vicky, Vicky, yeah. what Vicky said, uh, yeah, I've never approached things like that before. And it's interesting. Yeah. It seems like it would work. I thought, Oh, that would make sense to like actually figure out a long-term goal and then just back it up from there. Yeah. And start yes. laying the groundwork. Yes. So I was like, okay. now Because before I was just like, I don't know how we're going to figure this out. And of course, trying to get staff to realize that all of us do prevention work. Even if you're the person answering the hotline or working with clients staying in our shelter or, um, you know, me. Mm-hmm. I mean, because a lot of people, I think they think I just push papers around. <laughs> Which that is part of my job. Um, it needs put, to from be this done. pile to, to that one. Yeah. Um, but we all have the ability to talk about the prevention of violence. Absolutely. And I mean, even when you're not at work, yours is such a 24 7, 365 important yeah. message to get out there. Yeah. And I, I think with our work, I wish there was more time to have like, like, well, conversations like this, conversations with people where we can really talk about um, violence and how, you know, how we feel about it, what what our background, you know, like what do we bring to it because yes. of what we think and of believe. Of course. And I even brought this up to staff not long ago. I remember a few years ago I was at a conference and I remember there was somebody who was with a, a, a state coalition before some of us came in. She said, um, y'all need to check your white privilege at the door. And I remember thinking... White privilege. Like I was kind of offended. I was yeah. thinking, I'm one of the good people. I'm trying to be helpful. And it took me a while to embrace that more and, mm-hmm. and realize like what that really meant. Yes. She wasn't trying to be offensive to no. me, you know, Fran. She was saying, think about what this shell that you're in yes. allows you oh to have goodness. and to do. Yeah. And I think we need to have I love that, that kind of conversation. I love that you are talking about this right now. I love that so much. Well, I'm glad. Because yeah. we, I think some people would still be offended. And oh, it's like, definitely. so how do I have that conversation with somebody and make them realize I'm not trying to say that you're a bigot or that you don't care about people of color or, you know, that, yes. you're, or that you're just shut down. But you have to start thinking about yourself in relation to the world around you. Yes. And yeah, I'm, fi- and I'm 53. If I can learn that, then a lot of people ought to be able to learn that. Wow, what a great 
perspective. Yeah, and I love that you said it that initially you had a knee-jerk reaction, like, whoa, I, you know. I did. I, I, I was really offended. No, no and that's okay. <laughs> and rather than, than grasping to, you know, being offended, you ruminated over it a little bit, and we're like, you know what? Yeah. There, mm-hmm. there are certain things I don't have to think about when I exit the house, you know, yeah. or, or uh, I, I never, this never crosses my mind when I see whatever. Yeah, you know? I don't, I don't think about going in someplace and having somebody look at me like I might steal stuff. Oh, yes. the Gap did that to me one time. <gasps> you know, I think it's because I had bags with me and I guess they thought I was going to steal and I'm I'm not going to steal from the yeah. Gap. But, um, but you're right. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't, as a woman... I might have things I think about, like yes. making sure I have my keys ready to get in my car. I also love that you just that you threw that in there because because yeah, there yeah. are so you know people yeah. don't consider that. Like I will not linger with my door open, like the car yeah. door. I will not. I see some women doing it, and I'm just kind of like, but uh, I you know if it's especially if it's dark, get in my car, close yeah. the door, lock. That's true. Yeah, and I think you know, as a white person, I have to, I just have to realize that. There are privileges that have come with that and obstacles that weren't placed in front of me because of it. Yes. And I I tell people now, I think it's all the isms, the racism and classism and all these things play into violence. And I think that's one thing that's interesting about what we do is that there's a lot of things that intersect Mm -hmm. in what we do. It's not just a clear cut, he's a bad guy and he's beating on his wife. Yes. It's... What have we done as a community, as a world, that helped create that person? Because yes, oh, maybe yeah. it was maybe oh, he yeah. grew up in it. Which yes, that's true. We yeah, have a batterers program. So, thing. so you we, have a what? We have a batterers program. So like recovering. We have abusers. Men, they're they're guys that go through a twenty four week program. Most of them are court ordered. Right. We don't get very many volunteers. Yeah. But it is so that they can accept responsibility for their behavior. 24 weeks. 24 weeks. Wow. And, and learn alternate behaviors. I had no idea you guys offered that. Yeah. Now, that is the one program we charge for. Yeah. Because the money is part of the accountability. Yes. But it is on a sliding scale. So we're not getting rich off of, of course. guys going through this. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it's really hard for some of them to to take responsibility with, you know, because it's a lot of times it's, well, but she had done this. Mm-hmm. And, and so the person who's facilitating has to stop them and say, okay, leave her out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, tell me what you did. That is huge. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, but And the reality is that guy may have grown up in an abusive home. Oh, yeah. But what helped create that abusive home? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, th- I think we're forgetting that, that this isn't just something that's happening in somebody's private life and in their home and we shouldn't be worried about it because you know it's not on the street if it exactly. were on the street we'd have a problem with it exactly Although sometimes it is i mean the woman that was shot in king's crossing a few years ago was shot in the street I mean, she's running yes in the street trying to get away from her estranged husband and get shot from behind you know yeah. and it's unfortunate that those are the times where we're all up in arms and it's like Oh my gosh, you know, all these people have been dying, you know, because we had what, six or seven women die in one year, which was a big deal. Yes, it's huge. And it, and of course their families are now without them, you know, it, but I think, why aren't we thinking also about the people who are beaten every single day in their yep. home? Yep. 
Like, is You're it, right. It is has it, to be, like, thrown in our face. Yeah. I mean, do you have to get killed? And then it's like, oh, something really bad happened. No, I mean, people are getting beaten. These kids are watching it. Mm -hmm. I've even talked to educators, and I've said, we expect these kids to go to school and do well and take a test and pay attention. Yep. But they're, maybe they were up in their closet all night because they're trying to stay away from what's going on in the house, or they're right. wondering what's happening to mom while they're at school. Yeah. Oh, right. absolutely. Totally distracted. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. You're so right. And it's just like this cycle that keeps perpetuating, and it's just... And I've said, you know, I, I think it's great when the community comes together when somebody's been murdered to recognize the problem we have. But I'm thinking, you're coming in on the end of her story. Yes. She had a story long before that. You think that all of a sudden, out in the blue, this guy murdered her? Mm hmm No. He'd probably been beating the hell out of her and calling her every name in the book. That's another thing. People don't recognize all the other forms of abuse yes. that are out there. You know, the financial abuse, the threats, the emotional abuse. You know, telling somebody they're worthless every day, it, I mean, they take that in. Yes, it definitely takes a toll. I mean, especially whenever there's someone that you have shared your life with and maybe have kids with kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that's why whenever you initially said, you know, most people are like, why, is she, why did she stay? Why didn't she leave kind of thing? But there's so many factors in this the relationship yeah. you know um and an, another thing that uh, back to the you know having privilege and the way people view certain things whether it's racism sexism kind of thing oftentimes people who are dealing with this kind of abuse don't necessarily have like the best track record either and people tend mm -hmm. to be pr like a uh, prejudiced against them kind of thing yeah 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 i mean yeah so i think some people want to think that victims are really demure yes. and sweet mm -hmm. and real soft-spoken and some of them aren't exactly. some of them i mean they've had a rough life mm -hmm. right? and they you know we've had people who um have been part of gangs that are victims yeah and that's the and, thing they are still victims despite you know yeah. the lifestyle that they live kind of thing and i think that uh, i wish people would realize that it doesn't you know it doesn't matter it doesn't matter your background it doesn't matter that maybe you were in that guy's face, he still doesn't have a right to hit you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, I mean, I remember being asked one time, well, isn't it possible that she's just nagging him to the point that he's going to hit her? And I thought, you know, at that time, I'd probably been married maybe, I don't know, between 10 and 15 years, maybe. And um, I just thought, oh, my gosh, if my husband yeah. <laughs> would hit me every time... I drove him nuts. I, I'd be dead by now, probably. I mean, yeah, same. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm kind of tongue in cheek about that, but yeah. but the reality is, you know, everybody has a choice to walk away. Yes. And and abusers don't. And the reality is too, power and control works. If I threaten to beat you or I beat you, you'll do what I want, mm -hmm. and so eventually all it. I have to do is threaten you or just look at you, yep. and you'll do what I want. Yep. And if it works, why should I stop doing it? Exactly. And That's a very got, interesting dynamic. I've got a yes. community in a world that supports it. And I you know, I think it's it's hard too because men, um, there are a lot of really good men out there. Yes. But unfortunately I think men feel like 
they have to like if they're not super manly then that means they're soft or yes. they're you know like nobody wants to teach their little boys that it's okay to cry mm-hmm. which still um, blows my mind I, I guess because I'm not a boy it. I don't understand it either yeah because I'm thinking if something really devastating happens in that child's life why the hell can't they cry yeah I don't I don't get it I don't like, get it either God wouldn't have made it possible for you yeah to have yeah the, I mean I don't you know I mean that's He's my higher power, so I might bring him into a conversation now and then. But no, I, feel I feel like that's part of us being human. Mm-hmm. And if if we weren't supposed to have any feelings, I I, I just don't think it's unnatural. Right. I think I think telling people don't cry is unnatural. It, yeah, it, it is an interesting place that we are where men feel as though being stoic is the only way, you know, and, and how people regard you know, the the separation in terms of emotional expression mm-hmm. between men and women. Like, it, it's, it's, and I feel like the culture is changing. Slowly yeah. but surely, I feel like it is. And I feel like people like you and, and what you're doing are helping with that. And so if someone does need to access your services, what do they do? How do they do it? Um, they can call our hotline, which is 361-881-8888. Um, 88 what? And they can go to our website, which is purpledoortx.org, and we have information on there as well as ways to contact us. Um, visit our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would encourage anybody out there that is listening that is going through this or knows somebody to have them call. Um, unfortunately, like we, we have parents that will call and say, can't you, you know, see my daughter? But we have to have their daughter call us. Really? So y'all can't? Yeah. Because it's... Okay. Yeah, we can't We can't have mom and dad making their daughter come to us. Right. It has to be voluntary. Yeah, so but she it has to be... reach out and make that appointment. Okay, it can't be like, hey, there's some stuff going on. I mean, I guess in a situation like that, you call the cops. Yeah. Right? That's right. Okay, but not you guys. Right. Yet. And, but, you know, if mom or dad wants to come in and see one of our counselors or talk to an advocate right. because they're trying to figure out what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, cause some parents, I think a lot of family members just give up after a while. Yeah. They just turn a blind eye to it. Act like it's not yeah. happening. Kind cause of they don't know what to do. Or, you know, a lot of times, and we've even, we even had a client who's, who's significant other basically said, you know, I'm going to kill you if you leave. And if, if you, if I don't get you, I'll kill like your mom because I know you'll come for the funeral and then I'll kill you. Oh my gosh. So threats against other members of the family. That's why victims end up being isolated so many times because isolation. I mean, if I, if, if I'm the only one you can look to for anything and everything. Yep. I'm in control. Yeah. You're going to be right here and I control everything. And so when, Okay. Because you guys still shelter people, right? Right. So if people need, if they flee the situation, mm-hmm. they can come to you guys and y'all can keep them for the night kind of thing. Yep. And we don't have um, any particular length of time. Okay. Probably the average days people stay is probably 22. Wow. We have some people come in and two hours later they're gone. Okay. They've changed their minds. Oh, you're right. And it's yeah. all voluntary in right. and out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Another reason I don't do direct services because I'd want to lock the door and say you can't leave. Yeah, <laughs> but, but the reality but is, but I love that 
you're sharing that because yeah. that that would be my instinct too, and, it, and it's got to be so tough to just be like, well, okay. Yeah, and we do have clients that we see numerous times because it take it can take several times for somebody to leave for good. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it? I think I heard it takes six or seven. Yeah, it's like seven times. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, yeah, and um, that we have had people stay with us for a long time. We've had I think somebody maybe the longest was two years. We've had people that wow. have had their children, like had a baby while they're staying with us. We've had people stay with us because um, maybe they're um, undocumented mm-hmm. and we're working with them to wow. get everything done. That's amazing. Because there are certain pieces that allow you to stay in the country yeah. if you're a victim so of violence So it doesn't matter if you're crime. an American citizen that can come yeah. to you guys? We'll see anybody. Oh my gosh. We don't ask. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Wow. But we'll, we'll see anybody. It's free. You don't have to, you know, show, like, all your documentation to us. We don't say, well, we have to see your driver's license. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, no. Now, we do encourage people, if we're safety planning with people over the phone, um, or, then, or, or even mean? in person, that means let's get together a plan that can keep you safe while you're still living in your home, but also help you make a plan should you want to go. Yes. So that safety plan could include, um, I'm going to let a friend know that if I say this phrase, that means you need to call the police to my house. Oh, okay. Wow. Or it could be, um, I know that I'm going to try to leave in a few days or a few weeks. So I'm going to start getting copies of my children's birth certificates. I'm going to try to put wow, aside some money if at all planning. possible. Yeah. Wow. Cause we have, but we have a lot of clients who they just leave. Mm-hmm. And they take what they can, but some people can take absolutely nothing. And we help them figure out how you're going to get your birth certificates and for your yeah. children. And, you know, are they going to stay in the same school that they're in now? Do you want to move them to a different school so that it's I mean, more literally convenient? everything. There's nothing that you guys won't assist right. with in getting someone out of the situation if right. they want it. Right. We'll, we'll help them with almost anything. And if, if it's something that we can't do then we work with other people in the community mm-hmm. that can make it happen. Yeah. And so I saw that you guys sometimes partner up with the Ice Rays or other local oh, entities. Yeah. Oh, we're having the Hockey and Heels event this yeah. Saturday. All right. And, and yeah. so what's the deal with that? What's going on? So the tickets are $15 and $5 of every ticket comes to us. Mm-hmm. And also during the warm-up, some of the players are going to be wearing jerseys that um, are going to be auctioned off. Okay, very and so cool. there's a silent auction, and that'll benefit us. Yeah, and okay. And so for people just in the community that want to help you guys, how can they do that? What can they do? What do y'all need? Um, gosh, they could volunteer. Okay. Uh, I know, you know, I always tell people it's not like volunteering for Girl Scouts or something because mm-hmm. it is kind of rough sometimes. Okay. Uh, depending on what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, you can volunteer to answer the phone, you know, answer the hotline, um, come and help with our kids, you know, keeping them happy and occupied, maybe right. while mom and mom's having counseling or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have people who come and they just want to make dinner for everybody. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Bless their hearts. Yeah. Because we can house up to meal? 65 people. You know? <laughs> okay. 65 people. Good We've to had know. up to 91. Wow. Um yeah, the fire marshal probably doesn't want to know that we yeah. had 91, but, but the reality is we're not going to turn people away. Of and the course. only time we turn people away, people away is if they're not appropriate for our services. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one thing I wanted to mention, um, because people may not realize this, is that 
let's say I was sexually assaulted 20 years ago, but something's happened that kind of triggered something in me and I need to talk to somebody, we'll see that person. It doesn't, you don't have to have like just gone through the sexual assault or oh, through that domestic I, violence. Yes, thank you for putting that out there because that has raised such stigma. You want to talk about victims not wanting to come forward. You know, what, uh, you know when timelines go on years, mm -hmm. you know, people think yeah. it's less and less beneficial to come forward, but you guys will accept them. Yes. Yeah, because the reality is, that having something like that happen to you can really change who you are and I, I think that a lot of people have to work at how do I how do kind of, how do I kind of fit that into who I am now mm -hmm. and um, and I think there are certain things whether it's a smell or something you see or oh, a song yes. you hear that can kind of bring all that back up and um, sometimes you just need somebody to talk to yeah and so that's what we're there for well Francis, I just want to thank you so much for everything that you do and the organization that you run and your constant willingness to get better and better and, and keep you know providing more opportunities for people to come forward and, and uh, utilize the services you provide. And I just thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Yes. I really appreciate it.